What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live on a couple of places on the internet. We are live on Crowdcast, live on YouTube, or maybe you're listening later. Noob! Apple, Spotify, yeah. Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, it's all good. And we have a yeah! show for you. Let's do it again. Let's you know, sometimes I now. hit the wrong button. It's fine. No, uh, look. Never own that. That's just boosting it up and bringing that energy. You know what? That was our producer. Our producer fucked up again. Yeah, I know. Don't ever die <laughs> no let's not we've never said that we have a producer that we don't ever talk about and always anytime <laughs> there's a mistake it's that person's fault yeah um, what so did uh what did uh king louis say le producer c'est moi wow something like that okay. i think he said line producers suck <laughs> i think i think getting... our producer wrote that line for you so I i'll tell you what anyway we're getting way too into the minutiae here, and we have some awesome guests, so I don't want to waste a lot of time here. Yeah, if you're listening time. to the audio podcast version, not to cheat the live show here, uh, but if you're listening to the audio podcast version, you're going to get a bonus interview with the oh, Valderrama brothers, who are the creators of Giants and Giants Volume 2 Ghosts of Winter. That's going to play after these regular live interviews here, so if you're watching live, got a special bonus if you download the audio podcast if you're already listening to the audio podcast get ready for something super sweet in a little while but super first sweet. something that is equally super sweet we're going to bring in a mm. returning guests here is one of our favorite writer slash artists and we're going to bring him onto the show right now he's got a new thing called urban barbarian ladies and gentlemen dan panosian hello hey, hey. how are Howdy. you good wow. to see you excited to talk about all of this so you've got a new what do we call it do we call it a zoop starter or what what is the thing on zoop what's the saying zoop a lot so if we can you know just keep saying that that's kind of fun yourself a zoop (laughs) baby it's a zoop starter Yes. Uh, well, you've got this great project uh, called Urban Barbarian. I'm going to bring it up here for the live audience over Please on Zoop. So this is a collection of a bunch of different works. Talk to us about how this project came about. Well, I have, uh, I did volume one and I did volume two. And this is, and I haven't had a new book out in probably three years or more. So there's been a lot of work since um, the other, the other two books came out. So. I was like, you know what? It's time to do it. And then Jordan from Zoop was, pretty much demanded it. It was, you know, it was a little bit of a, nice. it's kind of like a, a mobster in a way, like, whereas like Kickstarter and Indiegogo are like, you know, those are pretty friendly crowdfunding. Jordan over at Zoop is a, is a little bit of a bully, you know, and that's not very popular. <laughs> in days. So, you know, that's what, I, I didn't really have a choice, but I, you know, I don't want to make him upset. Well, this seems to be clearly focusing on you as an artist. And I, yeah. I think you've really been doubling down on, I mean, you've done the art, but like you've been doubling down on yourself as a writer lately. So is it nice to get back to the sphere and be focusing very specifically on the art? Yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. Um, these days I've been, I've been drawing Canary um, for mm-hmm. Scott Snyder um, for Comixology. And, and what's kind of, and, what's kind of nice is all the books that I do, write, I, I generally do um, design work that doesn't really get seen except by the artists working on the book. So I'm going to include it in this book. So you kind of get a behind the scenes sort oh, of that's cool. peek, yeah, into the nice. process of like putting the book together as, as well as like 
you know, there's all the variant covers and um, some some pages I'm kind of proud of, and then a ton of um, drink and draw artwork. You know, and we have a we have like a live stream YouTube show that every time we we do, even if we have a guest, sometimes we you know, we'll folk, if it's built with someone like Bill Sienkiewicz, maybe we'll draw Moon Knight or, you know, oh, nice. uh, depending on the guests, we'll, we'll pick a subject that, that, that works with that person. Now, let me ask so, you, it, if I'm looking at a, a piece drawn during a drink and draw, how do I drink along with the, the visual? <laughs> I don't know you're able to, you know, pour whatever you want. Sometimes we, uh, you know, at actual drink and draws, we kind of miss those. We're going to start them up again. But, uh, you know, there's a lot more drinking. On, on the live stream, there's certainly... <laughs> Maybe one Bud Light consumed. That's about it. <laughs> well, uh, talk about the content of the book a little bit, and maybe this is getting into the minutia too much, but I I'm really oh. curious when you're doing a project like this, as we're looking through it here on the mm -hmm. Zoop page, you've got some Marvel art. I think there's probably a little DC art in there as well as some original art. How do you handle the rights for something like that in terms of selling your own book? Well, what happens generally is it's, it's for, um, what do they call it? For scholarly review is the, yeah. way, the way you put it. And you don't want to, you know, I'm not going to have like a Marvel character or a DC character on the cover. Obviously, you, you saw that one cover, cover image. But there's also, um, as far as, I guess, the, the legal, legality part of it, you want to keep, there's a percentage that you want to stay under. Um, otherwise, you're going to have yeah. to have some have some problems there it can't the, the basic problem when you do books like that is if what's selling the book is the marvel characters or the dc characters or the boom characters or, or you name it if, if lawyers can kind of determine like oh people are buying this because of that as opposed to buying it because oh i'm a big fan of let's say alex ross came out with a book that um was just work um you're buying it for alex ross so that's kind of how you have to plan it out and luckily, I, I work for so many different publishers, and there's so many different odds and ends in this book that um, you know it's 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 just a nice retrospective. Now, do you go through uh, as you're creating, and are you like, I'm going to hold on to this one, or do you <laughs> sift through the records? You're like, oh yes, I love this one. I want to show this off more. How does the selection process go? Yeah, I get I get kind of you know I'll do something that three months later I'll I'll round file it you know I, I won't like it so everything that's <laughs> gone into this book you know is is stuff that I, I I'm proud of hopefully until after it gets <laughs> so it's just stuff you haven't thrown away it's basically yeah what it's all stuff about. that I want to want to show you know like when you go to a convention and you see everybody's best artwork and you think that's yeah. exactly how they draw all the time that's that's this every time I go to a convention I come back like inspired but a little bit deflated you know like wow. <laughs> i just saw this amazing like but you're seeing everybody's best stuff they're putting their best mm -hmm. foot forward and that's basically what these books are you know what everybody should do is at conventions they should at their booth have the garbage can where they've thrown out all of their stuff and you can go through it and be like okay <laughs> i got drink drink a fun, fun prank yeah. for you to show up who we'll just sniff through <laughs> people's garbage and dump it out on the table yeah. in our selling. I remember um, whenever Bill Sienkiewicz has been to one of the actual drink and draws, um, you know, sometimes he'll draw something and crumple it up. All the eyes go, you know. Oh, man. And, and it's, and people are like, oh, just, oh, I'm going to go get a beer. I'm gonna, and trying to grab that drawing or, or <laughs> find it in the trash. Um, when you're uh, putting... Yeah, when you're putting together a book like this, I mean, on kind of the same note we're talking about, I know writers always look at stuff and they're like, oh, God, this I got to change this word. I got to make this a little better. Yeah. Do you do the same thing with your art or are oh. you at a point where the, when you're 
curating stuff here, this is the stuff that you're actually proud of and actually feel good about. Yeah, this is only stuff I, I really don't have to touch up. Um, mm. But there, believe me, there's plenty of it. You always see, like, Frazetta kept going back and noodling in on paintings, and sometimes, oh wow, yeah, you'd be like, oh, don't touch that one. That one's perfect. But um, no, there won't be any of that in this book, hopefully. Yeah, all so, bangers is what they say. Uh, <laughs> they say. I mean, there, there's a lot of pages. There might be some duds in there at 116 pages. So just That's pretty awesome. If you buy the book and don't like a page, my advice: tear it out. Throw it. Wow. <laughs> I love it. painful to hear you say that. Yeah. Uh, now, you had mentioned another book that you're working on, which is Canary over at Comixology yeah. with Scott Snyder. This is a pretty dark Western book. Uh, what has it been yeah. like working on that with Scott? And uh, what's it been like working with Comixology? Well, working with Scott, we, we started this originally. It wasn't necessarily going to be a Comixology book. And then the pandemic hit. And we were like, okay, we, you know. Is that the producer? That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's just yeah. his producer, right? Yep. Yeah. In a way, talk about it. In a way, producer. For anybody listening to the audio podcast, nothing just happened. Nothing, right. nothing, nothing, nothing to see here. Of any of these screens whatsoever. Um, but yeah, no, so we, we uh, started working on it and obviously Scott kind of, for each book that came out through Comixology, every book that he comes out with, he, he, he has more in mind like, oh, I wanna work with this artist. And um, I really like Westerns, I like crime noir. Um, yeah. So he, 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 we decided to kind of fashion something around that. And he had, obviously he had some great ideas and uh, he ran it by me and we picked it. And um, I have to say working with him out of all the writers I've ever worked with, it's the most back and forth you get. Sometimes you just oh, get a nice. script and it is what it is. And the writer doesn't necessarily want to talk to you. Um, oh, you know, yeah. not necessarily because they're horrible people. Maybe they are. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> no. When does that book but, come out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <to> tell all. <laughs> yeah. But no, he, he's, he's been great collaborating. And, um, you know, if I have an idea, he'll humor me and we'll, he'll throw it in there. So it's, it's pretty nice. <laughs> Cool. Now, um, we've talked to a bunch of people, not just over the years, but also recently as Comixology Originals has officially launched in terms of how they hit it, uh, meaning specifically in terms of the layout of the page. There's been some folks that have talked about, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not worrying about it. We're just laying out a page. Let Comixology deal with the whole guided view yeah. thing. Other folks are very specifically writing for the guided or drawing for the guided mm -hmm. view. Uh, what's your take on it? How are you hitting it? Well, at, at first, that was a little bit of a concern of mine, but this book is also going to be published by Dark Horse. So mm -hmm. I, I had to keep in mind it, it's it's going to be a regular book, a, a graphic novel that's going to collect all the issues together. But, um, you know, there's not a lot of overlapping panels. And sometimes, you know, artists like to get fancy and have maybe panels that overlap. At Comixology, uh, for their particular app, that, you know, they have to do a little bit of extra work. But you know what? For me, I think of it like give them a challenge. You know? <laughs> nice, nice. You know, make them uh, earn that paycheck. You have on just... your on your Zoop um, at the bottom a fun fact, and I don't know, I, maybe this has already been talked about, but um, you made all the fake comic book covers from the movie Logan. Oh yeah, yeah, that was uh, nice. Can you <laughs> got you, Pete? Can you talk yeah. about um, how that came together and sort of uh, what what oh, yeah, that, that what do you want to put out there? Yeah. Well, I'm a big I'm a big fan of uh, Logan and Wolverine, and uh, hell yeah, 
when they came out with that movie, it, it was not, it's not a Marvel movie per se. Um, so Marvel yeah. wasn't interested in giving them any comic books to use whatsoever, but comic books were a, a part of the plot. Like yeah. his daughter it, has never seen him before. And she's, she's a mutant obviously also. And the, there's mutants in these comic books and they're finding a, like a utopia, like a place that they can, uh, you know, all live happily ever after. And, but they needed artwork and they needed old comics. They needed comics that looked like they were from the eighties. So I got to do all these retro covers. And I also put in like fake names that were kind of riffs on like John Byrne's name or Dave Cockrum's Mm -hmm. name or Rubenstein or Zaki and Terry and and trying to mimic their, it's something that you'd never really see. You'd have to really zoom in and have a, you know, 4k ultra TV to really maybe spot some of this stuff. They're out there. Yeah, I guess people can do it. Yeah. I've even seen like bootleg comics where I posted enough of the art where people have created the comic book. Um, because no. later on, Joe Casada came in and he landed up penciling um, a story sequence that they flipped through. Mm. Um, and I got to basically turn that into like a retro comic book, ink it, color it, letter it. Um, I might have even, I may have even done the writing. I'm not, I'm not sure. But I did another, to fill out the comic book, I wrote an entire little x-men story and did covers cool. ads. i put my wife in the ad you know, brushing her teeth for a toothbrush i mean it, it was fun i put was nice. a, a wrestler mma friend of mine in there like doing some kind of oh. snickers bar thing that's awesome do you remember this do you remember the plot of the the story that you wrote uh um, i imagine it, was, it won't see a publication and, and yeah it was basically kitty pride getting nervous that her family was coming to visit her and everyone kind of reassuring her that you know we're your family now and it's okay and oh you know, that's it's, nice it's very right. cute Nice. Well, I was going to say on the opposite end of the spectrum, now that it's all under the same roof and even Logan is on Disney Plus, maybe there is a possibility this could come out. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. It it was a lot of fun. It it took about six months and a lot of freedom just to do whatever kind of homage covers I wanted to. And um, Right. You're not working with an editor. You're working with like a production designer. Yeah, exactly. And the art direction team who were just like, this is cool. None of that. Get it done. <laughs> Don't stress. Send it to us. Uh, I wanted to ask you about one of our favorite books. I think we've talked about every issue on our stack podcast where we review stuff. Uh, Alice ever after oh. from boom. Oh, um, yeah. So this is, uh, well, tell me if you describe it this way, this is how we've been talking about it on the stack, but we've been kind of talking about it as like, what if Alice in Wonderland was in the real world or took place in the real world? And that's where it starts, but then it starts to riff and spin off from there. Is that how you kind of yeah, think about that, the book? That's basically it. It's, it's, it's more centered on the real world. And, and she, obviously she has these trips to Wonderland and she'd prefer to be in Wonderland because her real life as a young adult is pretty horrible. So pretty dark, she's trying yeah. to find a way to maybe permanently go to Wonderland to erase her problems. But, you know, as she gets closer and closer to that, maybe actually becoming a reality, um, you know, it becomes less attractive to her as it goes. And we're, we're, I think the fourth issue is out right now. Mm-hmm. The final issue is out August 31st. Cool. Um, and there's talk of maybe a sequel, um, but All right. it's a pretty grim uh, tale as it goes. It gets darker and darker. What sure do you think does. is so appealing, or at least what is appealing to you about these Lewis Carroll stories that keep drawing people back and keep having them riff on them time and time again? I think, I think you know, it's it's 
just like Alice herself, you know, those fairy tales are escapes for us. I mean, that's why we read comic books to escape. So this is a classic. And we kind of, you know, even if, let's say, you never read the books and you only as a little kid saw Alice in Wonderland, that's still somewhere in your subconscious. So you have a little bit of an affinity for Alice already, or maybe for the Cheshire Cat. And, and what I wanted to do is kind of take some of those things and turn them upside down. I know it sounds cliche, but, you know, just change it. But there's enough familiarity there that, that you know, you have some kind of sense of these characters already, and maybe some kind of emotional bond or, or feeling. It should kind of take you back in a way to feeling like you did when you were a kid, but there are adult topics that we're, we're um, examining. And what I what I like about it is it sort of flips uh, Lewis Carroll's model of um, having like whimsy with a dark underbelly that you sort of like feel the entire time, but it's less overt. And you were like, no, no, it's sort of dark up front, and the whimsy yeah. is sort of what everyone's chasing a little bit throughout the. Yeah, story. that's been it's been a blast. I've really had fun. It's kind of sad to see it coming to an end. That's why we're talking about the possibility of another series. But even yeah. as a, even as a series a standalone five issue series it has a it has kind of a i don't i really don't want to give much away it's yeah, I don't hope spoil it man we're I gonna read it the the uh the podcast when you guys do examine the final issue and see what you think oh, cool. can't wait man. Oh, i'm excited yeah. uh before we let you go that's obviously a lot of projects that you have under your belt right now but anything else coming out that you want to plug uh there's there's a few other publishers you know it's one of those things where you're not supposed to talk about it until the announcements made yeah. but but man i'm so so busy i'm doing more writing than i am drawing and that's today i'm actually i'm so happy i'm drawing canary um oh nice which is a lot of fun but i have an, i have another book it's a western i'm working on um but i, I like to i kind of like to balance it off with a, a lot of different topics that's two westerns in, in a row but there's a there's you know i like i like the fantasy elements um some superhero stuff but I'm not, I'm not writing any of that currently. Yeah. Well, uh, we love everything that you're doing. And again, an un, uh, I was about to say an unkindness of raisins because that was top of my Raisins? Of raisins? Of raisins? raisins. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Write that down. That's, yeah. that's a Right there. <laughs> that's a, you could have a crossover with the California raisins. I don't think anybody's doing it's it. more than two scoops and unkindness. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Urban Barbarian is on Zoop right now for the next next 23 days. It's a very cool project, Dan. Always good chatting with you, and uh, enjoy those reasons. All right. Enjoy enjoy Matt uh, Kent up next, I guess. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Right. Thanks, Dan. All right. Thanks, Thanks, you guys. Thank you so much. Sick T-shirt. All right, there we go. Once again, Dan Panosian from An Unkindness of Raisins, Two Scoops of Raisins. Come on, dude. Plug his stuff. Sun-dried. I'm going to go go yell at my producer here. (laughs) Clearly, that was a mistake uh, (laughs) on our part over here. Uh, but seriously, Urban Barbarian Collected Works is on Zoop for the next 23 days. Right now, it's got 15,000 out of 10,000, but I believe there's some stretch goals that are going to pop up. Uh, It's a gorgeous gorgeous book definitely check it out and as dan plugged we're going to bring our second guest in here now another one of our absolute favorite creators who has huge new projects with flux house and mind management bootleg ladies and gentlemen matt kent hello how's it going all right uh great to have you back on great to chat of mind management bootleg this is the first title is this correct is the first title out of flux house which is your imprint is that the right way of putting it yeah, 
Yeah, it's okay. the first new first title. It's not the it's not the first thing with the logo on it. I I did a deck of cards, like a really strange mm. ah. deck of cards that has uh, is the first thing I put the logo on, but it's not going to be out till October. Okay. Oh, there you go. Mind Management Bootleg, though, is awesome. We also talked about this on our Stack podcast. I love this book. I was so oh, excited thanks. to see Might Management back and existing again. Uh, the big deal, I think, beyond the fact that it's returning, is you have Farrell Dalrymple on the art, so you're not doing the art. Uh, was it hard at all to let go of that and pass it on to somebody else? No, that's the hardest part is the drawing. <laughs> that's the easiest part. <laughs> Easy to pass up. No, that's like that's the funny answer. But the real the real answer was it was a little bit weird um, to give it up. And I, if I was going to do it, I wanted to make sure it was going to be artists that I was a really just a huge fan of, you know, and, and people that I really loved and trusted with with this project because my management's like my like if uh, everybody's like, oh, I like all my all my things equally, you know, or like, I love all my kids the same, which is totally a lie, you know, like yeah. <laughs> my oh, mom, yeah. my mom loved me better. <laughs> and then, and oh, I love, uh, I love, I'm just kidding. Carl, Shout out brother. to your siblings. <laughs> brother, yeah, the <laughs> he was the favorite. I was the one they were worried about, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, my management is my favorite thing, you know? And, and I, uh, I just wanted to make sure that we got artists that uh, I would be, excited about seeing uh you know and i knew that uh whatever they'd be better than anything i could do <laughs> and they did they did would you call job. would you call bootleg a, an entry point for people that haven't read it i feel like it does such a great job of sort of um a, a book my manager that is like that goes deep starting at least from the outside and moving in um it was that the intention yeah yeah for sure i i think i started i was gonna write a mind management novel um, and then I actually wrote like I outlined the whole thing and plotted it, and I had half have half of it written. And then I realized like I just want to do I don't know one thing. Novels don't didn't pay <laughs> very well. Comics don't pay that great either. But I was like mm, I'm gonna do the, they're less work than a novel. Uh, <laughs> writing a novel uh, was interesting because I thought well this is it needs to be a thing that for anybody that hasn't read the comic before. Um, so I approached this the same way where I, I wanted it to be. Really, this is like a recruitment pamphlet, you know, for people to sort of get sucked into the world. So, like, if it's going to be that, then it needs to be something where you can just pick it up and read it, and you don't need to know anything else. And uh, and I know everybody says that, like, good jumping on point and and all that. But uh, really, that is the purpose of this in a way is to to uh, reintroduce or introduce people to mind management that have never heard of it, you know, and uh, and sort of just get them sucked into the rest of it, into the madness. Um, I yeah. do want to mention before we get too deep for anybody who hasn't read Mind Management, uh, it's it's tough for me to distill it down into a simple pitch line, but essentially it's people who can control aspects of the world through different aspects of their minds. Is that is that a fair way to put it, or is that too reductive? I don't even I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that sounds confusing. Yeah, manage your mind, Alex. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that works. You know, I I always call them uh, spies with mind powers, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, Ooh, nice. and I always felt like one thing I liked about like I'm an old school Valiant fan, like of the, yeah, nice, of the and I, not a new school, I guess, too. I wrote a bunch of Valiant comics, but I can't be a fan of the things I wrote. <laughs> so I won't. <laughs> say that. But what I liked about that universe was it was super, kind of superheroes, but 
but I know like Jim Shooter in his original like mission statement for Valiant was like, it's rea our reality, but like turned up like 10%, you know? And mm -hmm. I felt like this is what that is to me. It's like, it's our reality, but or your brain and how your brain works, but turned up 10%. So like everything is grounded in some kind of science, you know, people don't have superpowers. They don't have like, they kind of have mind powers, but not really. It's things your brain can do, but, but turned up uh, really loud. <laughs> I love mm. that. And I feel like, Comics are such an immersive uh, art form, but there's something about mind management that sort of fucks me up when I read it. Like it, <laughs> it, it like gets inside my brain. Is that, I mean, that, that feels intentional, but I guess my question is how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh, I think this is the book where everything I'd done beforehand before this was a traditional story. And I was playing with format and different things, but this is the first one where I felt like the, content of the story and this the idea of like how twisting reality and what is real and and who do you trust and this, these ideas of paranoia this is the first book where i felt like um the book needed to be to embody those things you know mm -hmm. so like there's tons of hidden things in there i told my wife i was, I was like this is uh, people have probably only discovered maybe like 50 percent of what i put in the original series like as far as like hidden stuff and messages and and just the different references to things um, and I, and I needed to write like a, like a annotations for it, you know, so you could go through, but whatever, it seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Well, it's interesting it on that note to hear you talk about trying to write a novel for it, because I do think like we're talking about a lot of mind management is almost purposefully the text at odds with what the images are telling you. So not to take you back to that project, but how would you have handled that if it was just text, if it was just a novel? Yeah, it's interesting. It was different. And, and I felt like the novel was great because it let me, I could explore so much more like inner, inner uh, monologue, inner dialogue, and, uh, and then more character detail. Like there's, a, there's a lot of things like I worked in comics for 20 years and you, you really can only scratch the surface of character. You know, it, it really is like, such a visual medium that you don't it it sacrifices some of the the character and some of the deeper things and i'm and so what i've been trying to do is sort of solve that in comics you know is like get that inner dialogue get that mm -hmm. get the richness of character that you can get in novels and and uh yeah and that was the thing missing from the novels like i kept wanting to do like i was like how do i mess with the format in this novel you know and uh and i had ways to do it there are you know what i mean i had things i was embedding in the text and bolding things and and then uh somebody uh like one of the ideas i i uh had somebody tweeted they're like there's a there's a missing apostrophe in issue one of bootleg and uh and i was like oh well, that's every every typo that's going to be in this series is like part of a secret message so all the missing parts or the missing pieces spell out a thing so that may or may not be true wow. <laughs> that's yeah. the kind of thing i like playing with and, and uh i really do i want like especially this project I want you to read it and then not and kind of feel paranoid. Like, uh, am I getting it all? You know, I'm getting, I want get the main story. You're entertained. The art looks great. You get the story, but I want you to have that nagging feeling that maybe you should read it one more time. <laughs> I love uh -huh. that. We're such completists now where it's like, I must consume everything. And for you to purposefully frustrate that, I love it. It's great. Well, I mean, given what you said earlier in terms of bringing in Farrell Dalrymple to do the art and that it was this very freeing thing of like, oh, I can let that part of it go. How does that work with mind management in particular being so structured at the same time? 
it's terrible. There's a reason why only uh, every issue is one artist. Because <laughs> 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 I was, I was, I broke Barrel, and I didn't want to break. Him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, he he did a great job. But yeah, like my scripts for these are different than my normal scripts for other things that are more collaborative. Like this definitely wasn't as it's not as collaborative as I like to be with artists mm -hmm. um, because I just. Uh, you know what I mean? It just needed to be, it needed Story to have details. all this yeah. stuff in it. Yeah. So, so I was rereading the script I'd sent Farrell and I was like, oh boy, I felt, I felt real bad. <laughs> but the issue turned out so great. And I know it, uh, it took a while. You know, he worked a really long time on it. And, uh, and it's like some of, it's my favorite work of his because it's, some of it's so funny. There's a, there's a page in there with a bunch, all the characters, it's, it's a dialogue back and forth. It may be like, 15 panels on that page, you know, and it's just the characters wow. talking back and forth. And it's my favorite page just because it's so funny and the way he did the cartooning and everything was just, uh, whatever. It was right up my alley. Awesome. Like, uh, Matt, I, I love nice. that. We have a couple of questions here actually from YouTube. I wanted to throw out at you. This is from Cali comics. I absolutely loved fear case. Is there any screen talk? Uh, yeah, <laughs> there is, you know, like, I feel like that's a good one. Like I, I rarely, I never really think about the comic book in any other format uh, hmm. than until I'm done with the book. And then people are like, oh, who would you like, who would you cast as this or that? I'm like, I don't know. I never think about that stuff. But um, that was one when I was done. I was like, oh, you could do it could be a pretty creepy movie. You know, I think it would be pretty yeah. good. You know, so there's talk of that. There's a bunch. There was supposed to be an announcement that was happening yesterday. But and then I thought we could talk about it today. But there's a bunch of things <laughs> they're announcing. <laughs> but. I think probably later in the week. It'll probably be like right after this is over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very funny to hear you talk about uh, not casting anybody in the lead for your books. Did you have any idea of who might be cast in the lead of, say, like a Berserker movie or something like that? It's pretty uh, obvious when you're co-writing it and then the person you're <laughs> co-writing with is referring to the main character as I. I would do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's great. So I, uh, yeah, I started doing the same thing with. There's a Caldwell who's like the sort of like creepy science guy, and he's like the head of a cult. I don't. That might be a spoiler. I don't know what issues out yet. Mild spoiler. I think it's for nine or ten or something yeah. like that. Or anyway, right there's like this cult around him and everything. So then I just started doing that with the Caldwell character. It was like, well, then I do this. If you do that, then I'm doing this. Wow, way to <laughs> turn the tables. But I don't want to be. I don't want to be in the movie. I can't act. I can't act. I need to be. You know, well, watch your eye statements, then, buddy. Yeah, you're casting. <laughs> Uh, I mean, not to stick with the Berserker stuff, but to ask about something that happened recently. I was so pleased as a comic book fan to see you have a Berserker panel. I mean, I know it wasn't just that, but in Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con, what was that experience like doing that in that massive, massive hall? I told I told my wife afterwards, I, I was like, I'm worried I'm a sociopath because I wasn't nervous at all. Like, it was fun. <laughs> it felt great. Wow. I was really excited for comics, you know, but I was like, I... I was like, why was I not? I don't understand why I wasn't. Uh, well, that many people, camp. you sort of can't see. It. It's just yeah, annoying. It was dark, it's too. Like so yeah, wall. you can only yeah. see the front row, you know, and, and then they're, they're not yelling for me, which took all the pressure off. I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I'm just, I'll just, I was an observer, <laughs> an amused observer. But, well, you know, I will say seriously, though, uh, I know that Keanu really believed he wanted that panel to be about the comic book. Cause all the other stuff we knew that was going on for a while and everything. And he, and he did all he could to make sure that the focus is on the comic. They showed the trailer for the comic and we showed art for it. And, 
and uh, talk about the process and everything. And uh, to his credit, like that's what he wanted that panel to be about. And uh, it meant a lot to me. And I, I tell him all the time, I'm like, look, I've been doing this 20 years and I never seen anything like this. Like the way he sort of like re-energized comics, got new readers in, helped out comic shops, you know, it was like, he didn't, I don't think he realized the impact he'd had, you know, so I, I made him aware of it. I was like, I was like, look at, look at what you're doing. Like, that's really that. cool. And, and let me ask you, like, it feels like he is such an energized part of this. Has he always been a comics person or is it like this project has brought him into the fold in a huge way? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he, he'd always read comics and he grew up reading he was a little older than I was, but we grew up reading a lot of the same stuff, you know, Watchmen, Dark Knight, you know, Alan Moore, Swamp Thing. And, and then, and then, like me, he kind of drifted out of it and then came back into it. You know, I think, I think everybody kind of has that weird gap where, like, you're in college or out of college or you get married or you do, you know what I mean? Like, adult stuff begins happening in your life. So yeah. you're like, like, you sort of dip away from it and then you come back to it. Um, it was weird for me because I was, I was always doing comics, but I still had that gap. You know, right. I was like, well, I was like <laughs> making them, but I don't have, I don't have time to collect or read them or whatever. I just, I'm too busy making them. <laughs> um, so we, we, I think everybody probably lifelong readers kind of have that gap in it, but so it was yeah. fun to like reintroduce them. I'm like, Hey, read this, look at this, look at David Rubin's wow. stuff. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I mean, uh, given all that though, there was a lot of other stuff that was announced at the hall H panel. Uh, I'm curious how involved you are and how involved Ron Garney is in there's the, I think two seasons of Netflix anime, as well as the live action movie down the road. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't want to say too much cause I'm not, they haven't told me what to not talk about. So okay. <laughs> I'm assuming <laughs> yeah. I've seen things. Like the lookbook was, was amazing for the anime stuff. And, and uh, what's great about that is like it's a real anime, anime studio. And, and so like it's going to have that. It's going to have yeah, like that's a, awesome. And I know we had choices too of like, you know, who who for animation. And uh, and I was definitely me and Kat. We all pushed for like, let's do we want to do real, real anime, you know, and have like so a, nice. a, a traditional studio. And, and, uh, and I think doing that like the trade-off is like well we give up some of the control of like we're not going to dictate but i think that was the beauty of it too is it's like take this and like and then make it put it through that lens you know filter it through the anime lens and then make it something unique and uh and then the stuff i've seen so far looks like that and uh wow yeah does that let you sort of take new pleasure in it where you're seeing it and it's like oh look they did this whole other thing yeah it's cool it really is neat yeah, it's cool. It's it's neat to see like our seed of idea or whatever twisted into something new and and like it's familiar, but also like very different. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I get a kick out of it. Uh, I'm very excited to see it. I will say I'm a little I'm bummed that we won't get to see Ron Garney's images because I love his art so much. Oh, but yeah, so it'll be exciting to see something different. Yeah. I think at the same time. No, it's it'll be good. But yeah, I feel like uh, comic book is the thing, right? Like that's they won't mess with the comic. Our, it's mm -hmm. our pure vision, and that's like. That's the base for everything else. Uh, but speaking of uh, amazing art and stuff, it looks like you got some great stuff behind you. And then on that spinner rack, I'm very curious if you wouldn't mind giving us a little little yeah, peek this, here. This is a oh my god! This is from Pharaoh. This is a cover he did for Ether. I don't know if you can see. Oh, wow. yeah. it, it looks like that's a amazing. Renaissance painting. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's dope. You know? But uh, wow. we, put it, we put it in a Renaissance frame. It's one of my favorites. I better put uh, it down here. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm so <laughs> nervous for you. Yeah. I don't want to break. Yeah. yeah, that was a 
What else do we got? We got a Tyler Cook, Blade Runner up there. Oh, oh. wow, Jeff. This is Brian Hurt did this painting. It's the, gosh, what is, uh, there are lights in the way of it. I can't, I can't remember the name of the album, but it was, uh, God, who's the band even? Anyway, I'll tell you later. You can put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love that. Love that Tyler Crook, though. That's dope. Uh, while we're yeah. mentioning stuff on our shelves, I just want to give a shout out apropos of almost nothing. I could see it, but I can't reach it, so I can't bring it over. One of my absolute favorite press things that was ever sent out, and this is like a decade back, was they sent out a cigar box full of like mind management clues stuff, and I still have that here completely full. <laughs> like it's the coolest thing because we just all these so little things in a box that you can kind of put together and like, are they clues to the comic book? I don't know. Yeah, I love what, it. you I can't love... use your knees to stand up and get it? Come I on, can. You guys, right here, ask a question. I'll go grab it, and I'll bring it over. <laughs> Justin, yeah. ask a question. Yeah, do it. I want to see it. Yeah, we want to see the cigar box. I... Like, Alex tries to play it cool, but he's got a bunch of stuff over there. He's like, always talking about it. It's about time we put the screws to him. Right. And yeah. As as... It. yeah, oh, my God. Did I send that to you? Yeah, that's where Alex keeps his weed, so he's nervous about it. <laughs> and that's Hello. the question that I asked. Oh, no. I, I was actually wrong. It was for Super Spy at Top Shelf. I mixed it up with Mind Map. Yeah, yeah. This, well, that's old. Yeah. Yeah, Cigar Box. It's it from May 2008. And Whoa. other than, like, the note, is it, we've been doing this for a while. Uh, <laughs> there's this awesome, like, little Super Spy box. Ooh. And there's these Canucks cards yeah. and there's some sort of talking like, about the canucks canucks there's cyanide capsules over Whoa. here yeah those oh are, don't things. eat those oh, don't eat those i don't, don't i'm saving them want. for a special occasion yeah, they, they get good after your a while. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and there's a couple of the other things out there but this is definitely something that like no that's cool man great. i i handmade all that stuff that's all like are you wow. serious <laughs> yeah wow Oh, awesome. Uh, make your own cyanide yeah it was they taste a lot like tic tacs Oh, uh, oh huh. nice. Interesting. Okay, I'll have to try them later, I guess, and I guess we'll see what happens. I'll report back or not. Uh, <laughs> let's get back to Flux House for a second. So you've got Mind Management Bootleg coming out. What else? And you've got this deck of cards you talked about as well. What else is potentially coming out from the imprint? Yeah, we have... I have... Dark Horse has told me not to, to announce anything until they roll it out officially. So what I've been doing is just talking about them really fast. <laughs> oh, that'll work. They won't be mad about blow that. Through them, you know. But uh, we have the we have. There's a book called Spy Superb that's coming out at the end of the year that I'm writing and drawing, and my wife nice. is painting. She painted Department H oh, watercolors, cool. watercolor in this. Um, and that's like a, it's like a boy. It's they're fat issues. I think it's like three or four issues, but they're each like forty pages each. Oh, and nice. uh, and I'm designing them in a way they have like a, like a. A grocery bag cover on it so they're sort of disguised because it's spy stuff oh. so when you see it on the stands it'll look like a grocery somebody put a grocery bag up there um <laughs> but it's really the comic inside so there's a real cover inside when you open it but um wow i'm having fun with the format on that one and then uh i don't know what else i can tell you about that it's, but yeah spy stuff if you read super spy my an older graphic novel there's a there's a link to it this is set in modern day but there's like the original Super Spy is like the origin of everything that happens in this book. So, oh, cool! cool. Awesome. Again, you, you don't need to know that at all. It's just like a, it was funny to me to, to connect them. <laughs> to them. Um, uh, we do have another question here over on YouTube. This is from Ramsey Hassan. Um, Orson Welles is one of your key influences. What's your favorite Welles film? 
Oh, my favorite Wells film. Gosh, probably. Uh, I really like Touch of Evil. Because mm. oh, I think wow. the opening shot's great. And then he's like, he's real fat and sweaty and, and like <laughs> a bad guy in it at, at the end. And, uh, and so I just like, I kind of like that. Um, even though like, <laughs> like I think Charlton Heston's character is a little problematic. <laughs> yeah, and for uh mind management bootleg two quick questions for you one you mentioned so you're gonna have different artists on every issue who who's coming up who can you tease there i have matt lesniewski is issue two oh, and i think he's been tweeting about it today so i think it comes out tomorrow um and he he did a great job and then uh david rubin is issue three mm-hmm. who i've worked with before that was a, like he's the only one i felt like i wasn't torturing <laughs> <laughs> uh before he he knows me well and then uh and then jill thompson's doing issue four. Oh wow mm. yeah and oh, i could man. that was the one i was real nervous like i i went back and re- i was like i can't break jill you know and uh because i've i've loved her work forever you know and oh, like, yeah. like i was being oh, a yeah. sandman and and just a fan of comics that, you know back then i was like i'm not gonna yeah. be the one that, <laughs> that makes her snap uh, <laughs> But her stuff, her pages are great too. So yeah, we got, uh, that's what's lined up. I don't know what the question was, but. Oh, uh, no, that was the question. The second okay. question was, unless I'm mixing up mind management and super spy again, one of my favorite things in mind management was the little notes around the margins. Uh, yeah. And I missed that a little bit of the first issue of mind management bootleg. Are we going to see Ooh. that in upcoming issues? Yeah, no, it's, it's a, uh, I'm trying to think of what, I did something different for these. You know, because I didn't, first of all, those are such a hassle to write. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> a lot of words. Yeah. It's like, it's so much. And I felt like those, my, they're mind memos. And those were unique to that original series. And that those are like your, it's the manual to become a mind management agent. And so this is a new thing. So conceptually, I was like, I don't know if it, I don't know if it works to repeat that. Uh, but instead, every issue is going to have sample script pages. So you can like see my process and how I write the comic. Uh-huh. I love that. Oh, that was. <laughs> I thought that was so good. What are my favorite things? Yeah, yeah, they get crazier. So I, that's one thing I always hate. I hate filler in the back of comics where it's like, uh, and plus, I, especially for me, like I don't care about the process. I know the process. <laughs> I don't want. Yeah, exactly. I don't care about it. <laughs> it was story pages. Uh, so I was like, uh, and then it, it, it happened that um, the we were going to press, and the editor was like, "Hey, we have four extra pages," and I was like, "Good," because <laughs> this is what I need to do. <laughs> Um, I needed the, I needed the pages. And, uh, so I, I did that different thing. And then every issue they get progressively, uh, more outlandish, you know, and then, uh, issue four, four, I literally typed on a real typewriter because I was like, well, and scanned it in and, uh, and it's, it's kind of like original art, like the way they look, whatever it is, like the original art. So I don't know. You're the Willy Wonka of comics. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? Just typing on a typewriter and scanning it in. It's great. (laughs) I remember that in Wonka. (laughs) No, no, no. It was one of the deleted scenes. You can check it out on HBO Max. Uh, Matt, uh, this is amazing. I'm so excited this title is back. I can't wait for you to continue to break our brains over the next couple of months. Yeah, Yeah, thank you for all the work you do. It's really amazing. And excited for the rest of the Flux House stuff as well. Have a great yeah. night. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks you too. All right. There uh, we go. Yeah. Once again, the book is Mind Management Bootleg. The new imprint is Flux House. You can check that out, as well as Berserker. We mentioned from Boom Studios. Oh, yeah. Check that out as well. 
And if you are listening to the audio podcast, we're going to kick it over to our Valderrama Brothers interview right now. All right, everybody. Next up, we have the Valderrama Brothers. I definitely maggled that there, but they are the I thought it was beautifully said. Oh, thank you. It's perfect, perfect. (laughs) Thank you, Uh, Carlos. Hi, everybody. Hi, Carlos and Miguel. They are the creators of Giants from Dark Horse Comics and its upcoming sequel, Giants Volume 2, Ghosts of Winter, which is out August 31st in comic book shops and September 6th in bookstores. Yeah. Guys, welcome to the show. I'm very excited to talk about these books. Oh, we are very excited too, because this is our first uh, English language spoken interview. All right. (laughs) All right. So we apologize for the English because- No, no, no worries. (laughs) It will be like the mouthful of potatoes, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's how we do all of our interviews. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Okay. Uh, well, this book is great for those who haven't checked out the first one. So this was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but a five-issue miniseries from Dark Horse. It takes place in a post-apocalyptic world where there's a bunch of kaijus on the surface. There's different societies, different factions there. And one of the things that I loved about the way that you set up that first book before we even get to the second one is just the sense, the different levels of scale that you have in this world. You've got these giant kaijus. And then you have smaller monsters who are feeding on the giant kaijus. And then yeah. you have the humans who are sort of stuck between all of these things. Can you talk a little bit about where this very different riff on kaiju culture came from? Uh, well, it came from science itself, from nature, because one of the things we wanted for the world building of, of our story was that it, it felt like a natural uh, like a natural environment, like a natural universe, like you could um, take things from the real world, like uh, remora fish on the sharks, or maybe you can take um, the the little birds, like uh, ox pickers, I think they are called, um, that uh, take the blood out of the hippos in Africa. So all yeah, those yeah. ideas, uh, we we wanted to present them in a giant monster story. Mm. Cool. Well, I think it worked out really well because you create this very unique ecosystem where for on first read of the book, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. It's like Pacific Rim, but it's not really about that at all. It's really the story about these two guys who used to be friends were driven apart by climactic surfaces, uh, circumstances and end up on different sides of this conflict. Um, are these two people, the two of you? Whoa. Oh, wow. wow. Deep questions. You're accusing people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're going to make him spit out his potatoes. Oh, exposed. Man. Exposed. <laughs> well, where did this relationship come from? Like talk about the emotional grounding of the book. Well, we wanted to to do like the two characters are like the same one in a way, but the the life itself separates them. So mm. one choose one one way, and the other have to go to other, another path path. So that's the point. It's true that that I'm a little bit more blonde and his his hair is dark but uh, I guess I am the bad guy 
I suppose. Mm. <laughs> the artist is always the bad guy. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Well, um, no, the I writer love... said the good one. <laughs> the writer is always the good one. Yeah, yeah. Because they're writing the story, so they can be like, "Well, I'm the good one." Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. for sure. It, yeah. I love hearing the um, sort of the the complex na natural world you draw on to build out sort of your your take on the kaiju post apocalyptic world. So, for the second volume, are you going back to nature to further flesh it out? Uh, because it feels like so many books don't take that extra step to sort of complicate the world. Are you going to further complicate your world going forward? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the thing is, uh, we love the nature and I love science, biology and all that. But we are also pretty good fans or, of uh, monster movies, creature movies. Nice. So we always take like uh, the, the more um, thematic ones um, and we mix them with the science of of nature and biology so we can take the best of both worlds we have um, a realistic environment or society or ecosystem but we also have these thematical elements that feed our story like uh, symbiosis or parasitic nature or how some beings um, uh, must hurt each other to to feed. Some themes like that uh, are what we love putting the most in the in the stories because we feel like that way. It's not always cool, but you have something to think about. Mm. Yeah. Well, I. I without getting too much into spoilers here necessarily first of all i loved the second volume i thought it was fantastic and it Thank really expands the world in a big way uh, but one of the things that i thought was an interesting choice again without spoiling too much is you change the perspective to two characters that we met i believe in the first volume but didn't get quite the same level of focus yes. uh, why that choice versus keeping it with the main character we have remaining at the end of volume one uh, one, of, one of the reasons was that uh, one of the themes, going back to, to that, is that we want uh, different kinds of per perspective mm. from our characters or um, from our world. We don't want uh, one monolithic point of view. We want to change our characters and see how they confront the reality and, and see how the, they must fight the bad things they have inside. Yeah. Uh, from an artistic perspective, as people can probably tell from the title with Ghosts of Winter, there's a lot of winterscapes, there's a lot of snow in there. Is, is that a relief at all to be like, ah, I can just let the page sit here? Or does it feel like that negative space is kind of pressing on you the entire time to fill it up? <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At first, I thought that everything covering in the snow was cool because it's like a desert. But at the end, it's, it's quite difficult because all everything is the same. It's always white. So in, in this volume, in the second one, something I really wanted to do was to change the, the city. So I made the city 
quite colorful, made of construction buildings, and to make something out of it, because everything with snow is so boring at the end. <laughs> I, I, I the regret. Is a danger, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool at, at the beginning, but I quite like the the detail and the backgrounds. So it was. I had to to work a lot to to make something out of the snow. Yeah, we call this new city Derrick City because we wanted to be full of cranes and uh, half-built uh, scrappers. And it's like a, a mega city that uh, didn't have time to develop. Right. One that's, one of that's uh... part of the concept. Uh, by the way, the the half-made things. It was something that I, I really. I was really interested in in this story, but uh, go on, go. On. Well, one of the things that's always interesting to me is how writers and artists work on different projects. Like sometimes you hear writers say, "Like, oh, I know how good of an artist I have. I'll let them go nuts." Other times you hear writers talk about how detailed they write the description of what they're looking for on the page. I can't imagine working with my brother because I feel like we would fight the whole time. But how do you guys work on a, an idea or a script? How much back and forth is there? How much leaning on each other's kind of talents is there? Well, well fighting, a fighting a lot. Fighting yeah. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true, but in the in the good way because it's like a. Uh, a tennis match. We are always throwing balls. <laughs> that doesn't sound too good. <laughs> I say it's an intense tennis match you're going. Yeah, to. yeah, yeah, yeah. But we are always like uh, back and forth. Like uh, I have a good idea with this aesthetic, or we have a good idea with this thematical element, or I have this uh, new character I want to introduce. How do you you see that? Or so we make a lot of brainstorming in which uh, first we talk about the, the most ba basic ideas, like the most fundamental themes and um, plot points we want in the story. And then we separate each other. So each mm. one of us uh, work in, a, in an aspect that the, the things we talked about how do we want to put that in the page? So I write some things or I draw some things or I think about uh, uh, a scene, uh, an action scene or, or whatever. And Miguel makes these little um, vignettes or, or panels, concept panels in which th he thinks about some aspects of the story. That's, and is that were you guys always working together in that way as as kids were you making comics the whole time did one of you sort of take the lead and the other follow how did that work I well think he, I, I, yeah kind of yeah i made miguel to draw my things yeah i just wanted i just wanted to be a soccer player uh, yeah. Uh, well, maybe it'll still work out for you. Nah, um, nah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. What After happens. years drawing, I can I, I can do anything. <laughs> uh, I did want to ask you about one other aspect of the art uh, in the back matter for I think both volumes. It looked like you had 3D renders 
of the kaijus and some of the other creatures that you had created. Um, is that basically a way of like having a model for something that doesn't exist so you can twist and turn it and draw it from different perspectives or talk me through that a little bit? Well, yeah, it's Carlos, uh, the one who does that. I mm. don't do 3D. So he, he designs the creatures like that. He is cool. Oh, interesting. Wow. Uh, in, in 3D. So, so he designs the, the, the monsters. I just do uh, drawings and sketches. And <laughs> Miguel he's the one, the, the talented one. He's the science guy, the one who writes. I just draw the pages. <laughs> I just think about a bunch of weird things and creatures and all that. But Miguel is really who brings them to life. So I, I love to design uh, creatures or or fantasy or sci-fi scenery or maybe robots. But um, I'm always like worrying about the, the physical aspects of them. I, I always uh, look after the, the stories that could bring those pieces. But Miguel, it's very important to the process because I might think about uh, new kind of monster but if it's too difficult to move or or emote in the story then it could be really really cool but it serves nothing yeah i'm always so, saying like carlos this is too hard to draw i'm not <laughs> going to draw this yeah this, this cool it with the wings man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but he's always Hey Miguel, look out! Uh, the monster has three uh, fingers, so it has uh, something. And I always forgot, and I have to to look for the three D model all and the time. And redraw the panel and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tea, and that's why you you were like, all right, volume two is going to be winter. I don't want to hear any complaints about it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, I'm the bad guy, I think. <laughs> 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 Uh, well, before we let you go, not to put too much pressure on you because volume two isn't even out in stores yet, but are you thinking ahead to a volume three at this point or do you want to move on to something else and then potentially come back to this world later on? Both. Both are correct. <laughs> nice. We are always because, thinking uh, in, in the next project, but it depends on publishers, you know? So mm -hmm. we always want to make Giants 3 or we always want to make sci-fi or something like that but who knows okay yeah. who knows well uh, i hope well, you get both as well the yeah, me too. These, thank yeah. you very much these books are fantastic it was yeah, so great much fun. talking yeah. to you and i'm looking forward to everybody checking it out when it actually hits stands and if you're watching live, already we're in progress it's it, we're gonna go right over to our next section and Which unkindness of raisins, where we break <laughs> yeah. down all the hottest and worst raisins slang. out there in the game. We're going to go over to our raisins. next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up as your audience raisins. <laughs> and for audience questions, I see a bunch of them already piling up, but drop a question and ask a question, or in the comments over at YouTube, we'll keep an eye there. But first, it is time to talk about what you drinking, what you drinking. We haven't done that song in a while, right? Oh, Justin? boy. That's true. What you drink? Oh, is that my cue? Okay. Well, you were <laughs> yeah, the yeah. other producer. Hey, dance. What uh, you dance for us. Yeah, Justin. bring your producer back. Yeah, you're exactly. She'll have you do it. She doesn't. She's not coming back. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. oh, no. 
Uh, Drink-wise, though, I do want to mention we have another curated drink this week. I have to admit that I did not make it, uh, but it's very cool. Come on, Salves. I'm sorry, Matt. Did you make it, Pete? No. Oh, okay. Uh, But our resident chef, Stray Bullet, (laughs) Brett Magris, went to go see the DC League of Super Pets in theaters and made a cocktail for the evil villain guinea pig out for world domination, the movie, the drink is called the Legion of Lulu. And Aww. I'll throw it out there. It is an ounce and a half of vodka, an ounce of Contro, half an ounce of Campari, one ounce of orange juice, a maraschino cherry and an orange rind peel. So it sort of ends up Whoa. as like a, I don't know, what would you say? Cherry like an orange, and orange juice. Whoa. Like a vodka yeah, sunrise almost. Yeah, there you go. It's like um, an orange whip. But orange I have whip. not seen the movie. It sounds very delicious. Uh, I made a Negroni instead, personally, but oh, I'm going to try right. it at some Fancy point. pants. Yeah, there you go. Very cool. When I get home to my cocktail section, I will make that drink and enjoy another vodka sunrise, which I had many of. When I was yeah. Until then, though, what are you drinking tonight, Justin? I am drinking a little bit of the Miller High Life. It's you know, champagne of beers. I mean, come on. This stuff that just comes right in a 12-pack, and you open it and twist it right off. <laughs> Pete, what about you? What are you drinking tonight? Well, I'm uh, I'm raiding my brother's little mini fridge back here, Ooh. and uh, yeah, wow, he, you're you're living the high life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have this thing where they put the vodka in the can for you, so you don't have to buy it separately. Oh, because so. you've been putting it in a can yourself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's but you've been drinking out of an old can of beans that you just pour the vodka. That's right. You just clean out the can of beans so you can put your vodka in there. Yep, the hobo special. So wait, this is a, a high, uh, high noon, high nooners. High... Yeah, nice. Oh, ah, yeah. very nice. How is it? It's all right. You know what I mean, <laughs> you're so close to discovering white claw. So it's like, hey, this is not bad. But I, you're I don't backing, think you're backing so hard into Bartles and James wine coolers from the early nineties. Oh, dude, that was sort of the, you know, come on, let's Those get some, were let's the days. different, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, all right, I'm actually going to work backwards here. This isn't going to make a lot of sense because it's a second question from Edward Doherty, but I think it's a good one to start off with. Bonus question. How bad must have the Batgirl movie been to be completely shelved and not even released to streaming by Warner Brothers? I'll give you a little update on this news if you haven't heard. Uh, but as Edward Doherty mentions, the Batgirl movie is not going to theatrical. It is not going to HBO Max. The new head of Warner Brothers Discovery, David Zaslav, has shelved the movie. And as far as we know, it is going nowhere. He also shelved oh, a man. new Scooby-Doo animated movie. But uh, that's less apropos of what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, I'll movies. I'll throw out there, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk back and forth and nobody really knows that, that they've done some test screenings that honestly I heard were like pretty positive. Seems People seem to like it based on advanced word. I think the thing is not about the quality of the movie. It's that David Zaslav, who is the head of Warner Brothers Discovery, as I mentioned, He is in this place where he's like, no, we just want blockbuster movies, movies that are going to make hundreds of millions of dollars, and that's it. And we don't want to put anything on streaming directly, like how Jason Kalar, the guy who did Day and Date with uh, HBO Max and Warner Brothers movies did. So he is going in the exact opposite direction there. He has some big ideas about it. And my guess is that, like... Batgirl initially caught, I think, 70 or $80 million. It ballooned up to $90 million with COVID shooting, which 
is happening with everything right now. And I don't think they were going to make all of their money back once you went through marketing. Marketing. I was going to say, my take is they're going to, they were going to end up having to spend like, you know, another $50 million on marketing. They did not want to do that. uh, So they uh, killed this movie. The craziest thing to me about this whole thing is they were like, HBO Max through day and date, I think it's largely taking the credit for HBO Max becoming like the winner of the streaming wars. Right now, HBO Max is crushing it primarily because of their COVID releases day and day and some of the shows they were launching at the same time. And the fact that they're running in the opposite direction, I don't understand the strategy. I I feel like there's a lot of perhaps inexperience coming in from running Mm -hmm. Discovery and being like taking over these. I have a a very much a hand in this pocket, (laughs) by the way. So uh, pardon my uh, take. (laughs) Did you want to just plug True TV right now? And uh, yeah, please check out 101 Place to Party Before You Die on True TV. No, I, or please watch it. I, I think you're absolutely right, though. I mean, I think what this guy is coming from Discovery, and it's been this wild thing of Discovery taking over Warner Brothers rather than from our perspective, we would think Warner Brothers would take over Discovery, but Discovery is actually the bigger company. So it went in that direction. And I do think this guy Dude, is to a fault putting Discovery first, which is really like it's looking more and more like it's gutting a classic company with Warner Brothers just absolutely completely. And to your point, you're absolutely right. Like, I think from our outside perspective, it's pretty clear that HBO Max stumbled as it launched in a lot of different ways. And it was a very controversial move for the entertainment industry. But Jason Clare righted the ship by doing these day and date theatrical movies Now they have enough content. HBO has definitely been on a roll with all of their shows that they've been providing to HBO Max as well. And not that it's just Batgirl, but it is a huge mistake, huge mistake just for the future of the world in terms of how entertainment works to be like theatrical movies are number one. Streaming is the bottom row of the blockbuster shelf. Let's just dump our stuff there if we want to. It's oh, not dude, that, what it is. A dollar yeah. shelf, bro. That's where all the magic was. You know what I mean? Well, sure. There's that part of it as well. But I think like <laughs> people still look at streaming and broadcast, even broadcast TV is like, yeah, that's secondary to theatrical. And that's not true at all for most viewers at this point. Well, but I think Discovery's model is built on making like less expensive unscripted shows and mm-hmm. just having them be wildly successful, which they are, are good at doing. And you know, that model doesn't work with scripted. It doesn't work with any of that side of the business. So it may be that they're just going to go, because they have been systematically killing any scripts of development at the Turner Networks. Um, they killed Sam B's show this week. They're, they're anything yeah. scripted that is more expensive, they are just cutting off at the knees immediately, stopping production no matter what's going on. So it's, it's a scary time, I think, for that uh, part of the business, which is where I think a lot of, the content we specifically like lives where it's like creating, uh, mm-hmm. you know, worlds as opposed to just filming the world, uh, which is what so much of what discovery does is. I mean, the main thing is like, we know how this works. It's gonna come out somehow at some point, even if it's a fan screening at San Diego comic-con in five nice. years or something like that. Like people will see it somehow because the movie finished shooting in March and they had cuts that they were showing off to test screenings, even if the effects weren't finished or something like that. You'll see it in some fashion, but Release man, what a, like, what a bummer for 
everybody who worked on that movie, everybody like for months and months, if not an entire year, if not years, it really sucks. Um, so even if it's a terrible movie, I feel like it would be nice to see it at some point just because, you know, that might be part of it as well, but it would be nice to see it out there. Uh, why don't we move to another question? This one is from YouTube. This is from Nelson Martinez. Are you guys fans of the hey, Harley Nelson. Quinn animated series? I'm rewatching before starting new apps. Have you guys started the new season? Hell yeah. I started the new season. Uh, Harley Quinn, the animated series, uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, things right now. And uh, our old uh, buddy Moberg, uh, Matt Oberg does a lot of the uh, voices uh, and uh, he's killing it. I mean, uh, he does a lot of the voices. He does a bunch of the voices. Yeah. Like he does side characters, just one lines every once in a while, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, uh, he, he's killing it. He does one of the voices and no spoilers, but I think he's in one episode this season. Dude, but, but I will up, say, I love Matt Oberg. I love Matt Oberg. Hold on. What you no, no, talking no, no, about no. is like, Matt no, Oberg no. is getting his own spinoff unless Listen, they cut it you don't because based on what we were talking about before. And be wrong. You can do one or the other, but you can't be wrong and interrupt me. I've seen numerous episodes of the show. I can pick his voice out in a fucking crowd. All right, there is no I know oh, for Alex a fact. Oh, Alex is doing some intense right, Google go ahead, right look now. Look it up, dickwad, but it's not going to help you. Those were the days. There was like, you know, like bar back. Like there was just like some one line, like no name. All right, I'll, I'll say this. According to IMDb, not only does Matt Oberg do Kite Man, but he also does... Killer Croc, Bane Goon, Banker, KG Beast, KG Beast, spelled differently, and Uncool Guard. So go uh, fuck yourself. I was. I right. remember his Uncool Guard character. He used to do. That. <laughs> yeah. So he's yeah. getting his own uh, spinoff. We love yeah. Matt Oberg. He's a great guy. So yeah. that's very cool. So uh, Justin, have you watched any of it yet? And this is to put you on the spot. I'm just curious. I have. Um, I haven't started the new season yet, but um, I, I think it's great. And like, it's the kind of things that Warner Brothers does that I'm like this is what animation this is a lane for them because Disney Marvel is never going to do a show like this so but like, also do it it's such a great idea to take these characters we've seen a ton uh, and put them in different comedic things like this is my favorite Bane I love Bane in this King, oh my God. King Chart is hilarious like uh, giving JB Smooth the, the plant I mean it's just there's some really funny comedic choices that they're doing and they're leading into the comedy and like some of the like in the first season the batman joker kind of uh, a relationship stuff was so great and so fun oh my god i mean i'll throw something out to you and maybe this is like too hot a take but i think this is one of the best batmans of all time on the harley yes. quinn show the new like, season specifically right yeah like it gets so emotionally to the core of Bruce Wayne and what he's about and pushes him to this really interesting places. Yeah, I can't and wait. particularly for like a comedy show. Yeah. The thing that is so surprising to me about the way that they portray Batman here is like, you get the growly voice Batman. I think it's Diedrich Bader does the voice and you yeah. get all like the Batman jokes that you'd expect, but it's not making fun of Batman. Like he's still, Batman and he's doing Batman stuff and he's still good at his job. And that's the, to me that like points to what is so good about Harley Quinn is it's an easy joke to be like, I'm dumb Batman or I'm doing dumb stuff. A Lego Batman. 
Yeah, well, uh, but uh, yes, uh, Lego Batman also good in its own way. But like that, they really dive into what makes Batman work and what makes Batman important as a character at the same time as they're still doing jokes is pretty incredible. I, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing uh, Keanu Reeves as Batman, though, in DC Super Bet's supposed to be good. Yeah, you should uh, make the drink as well to go with it. I want to not to stick with YouTube here, but there's a pretty heated destruction, uh, destruction, a discussion. Destruction. Oh my God, <laughs> YouTube is God, you guys. It just blew oh, no, not oh, the two. Oh my God. Pretty heated discussion going on. This is from Cali Comics. Do you think Sam Elliott gets recast as General Ross and will also don the Red Hulk character or an all new actor? And there's a lot of discussion about what that means for Thunderbolts, which was just announced, among other things. So, what's your take? Sam Elliott, how old is that dude? He's got to be older than old. Because he eventually, when you're old, Sam Elliott's not. He's doing so much anyway. Like you can do it CGI and have Sam just come in and read some stuff, and we'll take it from here. Because like, I mean, it's you're worth right. It to get Sam. I love Sam Elliott. Beef. It's what's by the way. I think what's story. going on here is they're talking about specifically William Hurt passed away, who played Thunderball yes. Ross in the MCU. Yeah. Sam Elliott was, of course, in the classic Ang Lee Hulk. So they could just you know bring him in, sub him in. I guess as a, yeah. I would Ross think they there. don't. Sam Elliott, I if Sam Elliott is still has workable, stop buttons, hating on him. Sam Elliott. You, I love it. again. I love Sam Elliott, but he well, was then, born old and he's still getting old. And so I'm just who cares? That's what you get when you cast Sam Elliott. You get an old guy. He's going to kill it no matter what because the mustache does most of the acting anyway. Listen, I don't. Well, that's insulting to Sam Elliott, Pete. And also, I feel like we're getting nope. some Oberg runoff emotion happening here. And I wish they put a <laughs> lid on. It. <laughs> Uh, all right. We got one over here from Stray Bullet. We had a lengthy discussion this week in the Slack about what to do when you want to sell your massive comic collection. Have you guys yeah. ever tried to sell off a massive books? And what was your experience? How big are your collections now? Also, I want to finish the Punisher quiz. Oh, oh no. Well, I'll bring Stray Bullet in, in a second. Why don't we? Well, I'll bring him in now, but why don't we talk about if you ever tried to sell a part of your well that's the thing like uh you know my parents every couple of years will kind of bring up the fact of like you know you could sell your comic book collection um because right now unfortunately all my comics are in storage and it's Mm. uh it's costing me monthly but it is uh hey brett how are you but as far as i'm good uh, but I don't know how many I have over. Uh, <laughs> Wait, I, he has our uh, what would Cliff do shirt. There's a picture of Cliff from Doom Patrol with oh, a WWCD so bracelet on. Dude, you can check that out at comicbookclub.threadless.com. You got your Pip Don't Slip shirt. I'm not wearing any swag from our show yeah, right now. And I'm completely sure. nude as always. <laughs> You're Daffy Ducking uh, it. It seems yeah. like, but uh, I got uh, 22 uh, short boxes. So you know, the problem is there's anywhere from 300 to 500 in there, depending on how you squeeze it in. I don't like to pack it too tight. It. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, you uh, got those bags in there, those boards. That's right. You got to have, and, and you know, some of them I got, uh, you know, graded too. So there's like, you know, there's all the thing, but I, uh, I, the, there's a couple different ways you want to try to when you're trying to sell your comics to go like for uh, that i feel if you find a legit comic book shop they legally have to give you 
like they can't undercut the value of the comics. The problem I don't is think that's true. Uh, that, like, what are you basing that? No, no. I've I've talked to like legally. Yeah, there's there's certain comic book shops that like that are, are you calling the cops on a comic oh book shop God, for not no, giving you the price? Trying. I'm just saying certain that like special comic book shops. Yeah, the magical ones. Uh, but uh, you know the, the the hard thing is when you have a big collection is it takes time to go through everything to see everything that you got and see the condition that it's in to give you the proper value. And that's where the problem comes in. A lot of time people will just give you a ballpark. All right, I'll just give you, you know, a couple grand for all of it or whatever and take it off your hands. Couple grand. Wow. Well, I, let me show, I want to meet this Mr. Pennybags you're talking to. Let's well, I'll tell you, that's, I mean, that's basically what it took. Uh, I had like, how many long boxes? My wife is over here. How many long boxes? She's like fifty, you psychopath. <laughs> oh, listen. <laughs> yes. She I just she it. just looked at me as a thirty-seven. I love yeah, that she knows the number. You can the hear top. the tone. Yeah. We had I had thirty-seven long boxes of comics, and we went through before we had we were living in LA at the time, and we were on our way to Minnesota, and then eventually on our way to Brooklyn. Wow. So I was we were organizing my comic book collection. We were organizing my comic book collection. Yeah, exactly. We and, were uh, organizing it. Yeah, and uh, we alphabetized everything, put everything in the wow. miracle, everything. Hmm. Like, this is, I, I would just get a new collection every week and drop them in a box and not do anything with them. So this is like 20 years of books that, were, wow. that we organized. And How long did then it take? I, so that was 2006. And, and you finished them... in 2011, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it took about well, it took about a month to or uh, it took like two weeks to organize all of them, and then we put wow. them in an Excel sheet. And then, oh my god, I gave them to a friend of mine's son who wanted to sell them as like a side project, as a summer project, and he was like 13 at the time. Wow. He called me last year, is when he sold them. Wow. Dude, that guy's been working for you for years. Oh, yeah. And he was like, because just like we would have private buyers be like, hey, we'll give you like three grand for it. The whole, the cover price of everything. And he went through and he priced everything. And it ended up being like $38,000 worth of cover. (laughs) Just at cover price. Without value, just at cover price. Well, that, like oh God, it's like bad. buying a car. The cover price goes yeah. out the window after you. Yeah, exactly. And so, and I was at some point, I was one of these idiots who was like, I'm going to buy three copies of everything. I'm going to buy one to sell and one to read and one to just throw in my closet. You got to do and, it. What? Do it. <laughs> yeah. So, I, well, I had stopped that. That ended pretty quickly when I was like, I have no money for any food. Yeah. So, uh, so at some point for years and like this kid is an adult with children now he's like in his mid-20s and he texts me and he's like yeah i finally got a good offer and it was like 4500 bucks well hey it's something though Uh, i'll throw out there oh you go you go yeah no i i was just gonna say this is not a good selling story but i just want to throw out as an option for folks because this is one of the best experiences honestly i've had with comics is 
I needed to get rid of stuff because we were having kids and I was really worried about legitimately like the comics falling on the kids because they were just stacked everywhere. So <laughs> that's, I, that's crazy. Yeah, it that's crazy. Was, but like there were crazy stacks cut. all over yeah. our apartment that were ready to fall at a moment's notice. So I went through everything, whittled it down important. to what I actually wanted. And then from there, I took out any comics that were like, offensive like crossed or anything like that and left it to like all ages comics and i still had a couple of hundred comics so on halloween i went outside with stacks just like boxes of comics and i had more waiting in the wings and i told kids as they come up to the step like hey you could have some candy or you can have a comic book and mm, the comic books choose. were gone in like half an hour wow and it Very was generous. great. Like, it was That's such awesome. an awesome experience because these kids were so excited and they were just rifling through them and choosing the ones that they wanted. It was it was so much fun. So highly recommend, obviously not like a good money-making scheme, but if you want to do something that, like, makes you feel yeah. good about kids and stuff, um, good, th- good, fun thing to do. When I was moving, awesome. I, I got rid of seven, 8,000 comics. It was $5 all you can carry. People add on Craigslist. People showed up and walked out of there like they were in a. That's heartbreaking. Uh, that's fucking upsetting. That was great. I, and then eventually, someone came. The dude from Long Island was like, "Hey, uh, could I just take all the rest? I'll give you like five hundred bucks." I was like, "Hell yeah, dude!" <laughs> filled up his trunk and they were gone. It was perfect. Uh, that's I great. still do have like I have a short box of like my favorites. Like I, kept, I still I still have first... like twenty five short boxes. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, like I have like my first like detective comics that I bought in Los Angeles in Burbank at this place called the Secret Shop or something like. Yeah, yeah. It was like the shadiest. This was before like comic book shops were like decent. It was dark. There was just shit piled everywhere when you walked in, and it was like this dude who was like super pretentious. And I didn't know anything. I was like twelve, and he was like. I was like, um, do you have a detective on Batman comics? And he was so fucking annoyed. He looked over his pile of stacks and he was like, they're over there. <laughs> anyway, you just mother. won the secret Punisher, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think we got, we're up to the physical challenge. Uh, yeah, we're up to that, physical right, challenge. You, uh, and I'm sure you can do this, but uh, you have one minute's time to produce something with the Punisher logo on it. Okay, cool. So check Go. it out. So, okay, I was going to do like the default. It's not going anywhere. Yes. There oh, it is. Oh, yeah, the default. But then I was like, I can do. For those listening, that's that. uh, Brett just held up his apron that he My made Punisher apron. himself. Yes. Yes. Uh, with the I, Punisher. And I made one for P two. I was oh, also yeah. going to just. I was going to hold up the photo of me and Pete. When I gave him his Punisher photo, oh, that's oh, that's nice. nineteen or whatever that was, but I have something better. So, I I have this this uh, Marvel eats the universe cookbook, <laughs> and check this out. This is probably like it's kind of super fucked up, but the only thing in this book cookbook for the Punisher is the Punisher's wedding soup. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! And there's your Punisher logo uh, with his knife. That's not—it's not his hunting knife. That's his chef knife. 
Right. Yeah. That's, that, uh, that's his knife to stab the little meatballs in the soup, right? Yeah, yeah. This motherfucker is cutting jugulars. Is it, is it an Italian wedding soup? What, what kind it of is. soup is so it? It is yeah. the Punisher's Italian wedding soup. It has, yeah. he makes it with, this is weird. So I'm a chef and I'm reading this. Uh, <laughs> he, he uses bone marrow bones for this, which you don't have to do. And he Wait. uses a pressure cooker to make the broth, which, I mean, that's awesome, but you can all just and then it's got uh it's got meatballs and stuff like this uh it's, wow. it's pretty good it has the stracciatella which is basically just eggs and parmesan whipped together and then you sort of cook it in the broth my favorite part of this recipe is at the end here where it says uh once the broth again comes again returns to a boil Punish it with more salt and pepper. Mm. They get it. See, that's just good oh, yeah, writing. Go. That's just good writing. And look, and just so you guys, I here, look at look at what I made. I made this cocktail. I didn't make that fucking soup. Ah. <laughs> All right, nice, yeah. Good man. That's amazing. That yeah. So, Pete, what does Brett win for finishing the Punisher quiz? Uh, a pat on the back. He, wins, fine he wins a lifetime uh, friendship with me. And um, talk about a punishment. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, a punisher like gift. A, uh, a punisher gift that I will present to him when I go to his restaurant on a road trip uh, to New Orleans. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Oh, All and right. also to make you to make you feel about good about your drink of choice tonight, I also have. Hey, <laughs> also high, dude. Wow, buddies. I'm not, I'm not drinking it. I got it for free, and it's been sitting in this cabinet. <laughs> amazing Brett congratulations what you have quiz. punished this quiz I'm glad Brett. to bring it to a close uh, finally until the next one starts in I want to say one to two weeks uh, Brett I'm going to be down in NOLA in like a month I'm going to look you up let's hang oh man Wait, is it for the show is it for your show uh, for, uh, no not not doing that I'll uh, definitely keep you close to the I'll yeah, be shooting in your restaurant for that's for that show someday. You gotta awesome. look me up. Please come down. All of you have to come down. Yeah, awesome. All of you have to come down. Brett, yeah. always great chatting. Congratulations on finishing the quiz. Talk to you soon. Thank you, and you're welcome. Later. <laughs> All right. Uh, there we go. We got a couple of other questions here, so why don't we jam through them? This is from Josh H. With Ant Man number one coming out recently, I got thinking about the domestic violence storyline between Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne. Are there any other deplorable actions that comic characters have taken that have tainted the character for you? Well, there was that. Uh, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of stuff actually, but uh, I think the one that comes to mind is. That spawn uh, uh, move where they yeah. did the horrible things to Wanda to get mm -hmm. to Al, and uh, I lost my shit in the middle of a Comic Con floor at that poor person who worked at Image, but nothing to do with it. But was the only person at the Image booth, and uh, mm -hmm. I was really upset. So uh, yeah, yeah, there was that. It's also uh, Spider Man uh, and Jay just oh, making really? a deal with the fucking devil for no oh. fucking. Huh, when did that happen? I've never heard that. Is that in a? Is that an issue? Yeah. Yeah. Is it come? Has it come out? Yes. Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. Not familiar. Justin, uh, you got one. Anything that's made you hate a comic book character? Um, tough. Uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that happens in comics. Um, 
that is like horror, like frid the fridging thing, all of that. Um, I mean, there's most of it is um, violence against uh, female characters. I'm trying to think of an example where a hero did something that I was like, well, I'm not happy with them now, uh, but I don't have enough to top my head. Yeah, I feel like every once in a while they try to take a character and just break them down to their bare essentials. And I don't know, the Hank Pym thing, obviously, that is crossing a line 100%. Like you're saying, violence against women, no thanks. Absolutely, absolutely never. But I think, like, the two that I'm thinking of offhand that they tried really hard, there was an, uh, there was a period of a couple of years where they really tried to break down Colossus. And it's always like the nicest character where they're like, we're going to put you through the worst shit possible. Take the, everybody out of your life and really test the character and see if you really break bad. And Colossus like got to this very dark place and then turned around though. I guess maybe he's evil now. I'm not 100% sure. There was that flash one that you hated too, where it was like, they made one of your favorite flash. Oh, Wally West. Yeah. Movie. It was the same thing, which I feel like they're just ignoring now and not worrying about because they're like, you're yeah. the new flash. Well, that never happened um or uh penance with speedball was the same thing so it's always this temptation i love that like you love penance i thought it was fun that they they took this shitty character and then had him punish himself Uh, i love speedball but the thing is like that the penance the penance thing for example that didn't make me hate the character i was just like oh Oh. this is a this is a bad writing choice that's Uh, exactly what it is i think like kevin actually pointed out one that i think is good justice league what identity crisis did to Dr. Light that definitely tainted the character forever because again, it was a sexual assault. Um, and that is a line you should not and never should cross. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, there you go. Good question though. All right, let's move on to another one. This is from Kevin. What are the unreleased never made comic book adaptations you have wanted to see? Oh, great question. I was obsessed with the Little Monsters novelization. The, uh, I wanted to say Kevin McAllister, Fred Savage movie. Oh, he yeah. Friends with the monster under his bed. So I yeah. would have loved Howie to see Mandel, a comic right? book adaptation. Yeah, Howie Mandel, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Bobby's I'd love to see a comic book adaptation of that. I remember all the plot points very viscerally. Oh, man. Wow. Interesting. Interesting answer. Um, I'm. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, and I don't know why, but like they've never really done a good Ghostbusters comic. This is sort of stealing a Pete answer, really. Huh? They've definitely done a lot of them. My issue with Ghostbusters in general is I just don't get what they keep pushing as the mythology for Ghostbusters because I feel like one of one of the features of ghostbusters is it's nonsense like the ghosts are nonsense there's no connection between them whatsoever so whatever they try to push like oh there's about the scolari brothers come on i mean what what we're talking about um update from kevin he was thinking of more adaptations of comics into other media like say batgirl or Mm -hmm. or nick cage's superman well when they did the killing joke as an animated movie that was awful uh, that kind of really ruined it. Uh, for no, he's asking oh, stuff. He's saying stuff it? that hasn't happened that you um, want, not complaints about stuff that bothers. Right. I mean, this is something that pops up. <laughs> I want up. them I to bring of... back uh, Mask, uh, the cartoon, because it was one of the greatest intros of all time, and I feel like we can redo it and do it better because uh, you know it was it was it was fun times. 
So there was a tweet from 2019 that was getting passed around a lot this week as if it was a new tweet of Warner Brothers being like, we don't know what to do with Superman. And again, this was an interview from 2019, but people were discussing a lot. And I think it's still valid because they still don't know what to do with Superman. Like, there are decades of comics with Superman, but look at Superman for all seasons, for example, is something where, or, you know, Man of Steel is a pretty controversial movie for a lot of reasons, but the stuff that works in there is where they actually dived into Mark Wade's Superman birthright. I would yeah. love to see something that is Superman birthright, but that isn't like, yeah. And also we're going to do a little neck snapping at the end there. Like he's dark, you know, there's enough oh, comics yeah. about why Superman works and how he works that I think you can make a really successful adaptation of the, of the character. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess just Joker, some... Joker as a musical. Is that my answer as always? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to see that. Last one. This is from Edward Doherty. What ideological issue in comic books would cause a civil war style schism among the comic book club hosts? Ooh. Whoa. Wow. You're just picking a fight. You want us to fight each other? Is that what's going on? Mm. What what ideological split like in our lives in the real world? Wait, what? What is the question? Is that what the question is? Uh, the question is like what uh, comic? Well, like Pete, you're you're anti-abortion, right? <laughs> oh my god, what is happening? <laughs> Do not make this kind of joke. <laughs> Five a couple yeah. too many to grow to, so exactly. <laughs> what is happening? I love it. Alex makes he uh makes a you little stinker face when he's got a real banger coming, and I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love seeing the face and being like, oh, he's gonna say something fucked up. <laughs> uh I definitely think like we we definitely hit a point with X-Men comic books where to be honest, I can't discuss them anymore. Like, I don't even yeah. put them in the stack because yeah. I don't want to get into You don't want to hear it from me. You just don't want to hear I it. I don't. It's it's the same discussion every time. So, like, I don't know if that's a schism so much as avoiding a schism, but it's definitely not something that I could talk about anymore. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that that covers a lot of... Um, I think, I mean, but to, just to sort of name it, I think Pete is the, is the most passionate... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, fan here of his sort of takes on the character so I feel like it's often one or both of Alex and I in conflict with Pete so I think any of those hot button Pete issues Spider-Man being married the Punisher in general even things like um, the Fantastic Four um, obviously loves penance which is a weird take because no one loves penance uh, like anything those are the where the real um, yeah the fuck island schism uh, is what Stray Bullet says in the comments so those are the things that I think split us up. The only times, the times you, Alex's you, pop off, Alex pops off, those are the ones that I take note of. Like that <laughs> uh, Secret Wars, is it Secret Wars? first? Yeah, that came up in our Slack. From, by the way, for anybody who's listening, patreon.com slash comic book club, you can uh, participate in our Slack. I mentioned this sort of jokingly. Definitely, I don't know if I'm embarrassed about it, but I definitely viscerally remember it. Was, it was, I was Secret like, Wars... <laughs> Secret Wars number zero, right? Not even number one. Where I was up like furious about your lid was flipped. I was like, how about the fact that like they had built up so much to this event and they 
it was incomprehensible to anybody who had never read comics before. Like, you had to have read all of Jonathan Ickman's various runs on Avengers and Fantastic Four to understand what was going on in Secret War Zero. And I was furious about it. And we had Fred Van Lente on our show, one of our favorite guests. Oh and I, I remember looking back at him and seeing him being like, <laughs> just his recoil reaction at me <laughs> screaming about Secret War Zero. I still haven't gone back and read it, but every once in a while I'm like, I see people talking about how good the Secret Wars run was, and particularly with this movie coming up, I'm probably going to relent and watch it, uh, watch it, read it. But it was definitely at the time I was like, I'm never reading yeah, this. You refused to read it. You said I refused to read it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for it's the whole time. run it of that. Yep. But I'll, I'll probably read it now just because I want to know what's going on in the movie. Uh, Alex, you made a promise. You made a promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, apologies. Oh, with the movie. We do have a couple of other questions on YouTube, but I'm sorry. We are running low on time. So I do want to move on to our next section, which is oh, trivia. No. And for that, we're going to uh, kick it over to Peter Page. <laughs> All right. And do we have uh, somebody for this? Or are we looking for a first stand-up? <laughs> no, we don't have anybody. <laughs> okay, so we need uh, we need yeah. a volunteer. Alex is out of gas. Alex is out of gas. YouTube or somebody in Crowdcast can put a hand up there, and uh, you will win twenty five free dollars to Midtown Comics. That's right. We only have another uh, hour and a half to two hours podcast tips. <laughs> I think that raisin's coming really popped the Alex balloon, and he's been slowly yeah. running out of helium. Hurry, we gotta hurry up. We just need a brave volunteer to raise their hand, put their hand up to win $25 free dollars to Midtown Comics Online. Uh, $25 free dollars can be yours. Oh, we have an I'll do it. David Quinley says All on right, YouTube. David. So, David, this is going to be a little bit of a delay, but I'll try to type the stuff in the comments for you, specifically the answers. Uh, so, Pete... Take it away with a little bit of trivia. All right. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small, nod, a small nod to the legend, Nichelle Nichols, R.I.P. Mm. Lieutenant O'Hara. Yeah. Yeah. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Question number one. Here we go. Jim Zub, Zubhub is writing what comic book ahead of the movie? Is it A, Thunderbolts, B, Hawkman, or C, Tony Hawk? So it's e, either A, Thunderbolts, which is the correct answer, or it's B, Hawkman, which is just there to rhyme uh, later lead into the Tony Hawk C, C option. I mean, let's be honest. Well, let's see. David Quinley hasn't given an answer here. I'm personally going to probably guess it's Thunderbolt since that's the only one coming out as a movie. Oh, he says A. Is it A? Yes, that is correct. Here we go. All Question right. number two. In Flashpoint Beyond number four, which we will talk about in the Stag Podcast coming up mm -hmm. later. Maybe, maybe. What is the name of the Robin in this issue? Is it A. Dexter, B. Crispy Bacon, or C. Clay Aiken? So it's either A. Dexter, which is what you select, or it's B, Crispy Bacon. As we all know in the Slack discussion, Crispy Bacon is the best bacon and not oh, the soggy. Get out of here. Soggy. 
get, get crispy bacon. Go eat a, a shards of glass with salt on that. <laughs> oh, wow. Wait, do you like soft ah. bacon? Soft bacon instead yeah, of... Yeah, Justin uh... loves the, the soft bacon. He likes it. Mm. Just limp bacon, just kind of just Nice barely... and raw. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's not raw. It's cooked to Just a, eat it out of the package, man. Yeah, yeah, I do. Oh, do not do that. Dude, I've never that. cooked bacon. Well, you just take the plastic open. It's like Ooh, a hot dog. David Quinley says the answer is always Dexter. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that, but that uh, is correct in this case. Here we go. Last one. In 2023, what is the crossover event with Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers? It's called Captain America Blank. Is it a two sides of the same shield? B Cold War? Or C, Downtown Julie Brown. So mm. it's either A, which you shouldn't pick, or it's B, Captain America Cold War. Whew. Great question. I Great do question. love Cold Wars because they're cold. You do? Yeah. Oh, like, on a BLT, you really want to eat like a, a, a sharpened uh, Not sharpened, just crispy, bro. Yeah, I crunch. like crunch. You want some crunch in there, it. particularly yeah, with the BLT. Yeah, come yes. on, man. Uh, ooh, David if, says to be or not to be. That is the correct answer. All right, there we go. David, you're getting a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Pete, what is your secret answer? The secret answer is the 2017 hit TV movie, Sharknado 5, Global Swarming. All right. Right on the David, heels of Shark Week. Great. I can't think of anything better to commemorate Nichelle Nichols than with that well, movie. Well, first Thanks. off, go fuck yourself because she is many things, uh, uh, was many things, but also had a good sense of humor. And the fact that she was in this movie shows that and mm -hmm. was like, yo, this is crazy, but it's a thing right now. So I'm going to get involved. And I a tip of the hat to that. Yeah, but not like and, Star Trek 4 or something. Wait, that's, that's too the obvious. That's the that's... eulogy you're doing at her funeral? Yeah. What you just said, Pete? Yeah. Yep. Mm. I mean, I'll change it a little bit for the Strong. crowd, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. David, shoot us an email at comicbookclublive.com. Nope, that's not right. Comicbookclublive at gmail.com, and we'll get a gift card off at you. And we'll get a gift card to you, not what Alex said. You guys finish off the show. Thanks, guys. <laughs> he's out of He's out of gas. I love it. <laughs> Uh, tomorrow's new three comic more shows. Day. Three more shows. Tomorrow's new comic book day. Uh, let's see. What are you picking up, Alex? <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I look forward to the Dead Lucky number one from Image Comics. This is another oh. spin off of Radiant Black. I've been loving this universe, so it is always exciting to yeah. me when a new title comes out from it. What about you, Justin? Expanding quickly that universe. By the way, mm -hmm. I love how fast they're working. Um, I had a lot of good stuff. Uh, we wrote a lot of specifically so DC comics, comics uh, for this uh, week coming out. Um, let me throw it out to um, Batman Killing Time number six. Um, Tom King mm -hmm. book that I feel like was overshadowed by his Bat-Cat stuff. But this book is fantastic. This is some of the best Tom King stuff I've read in quite some Interesting. time. I'm looking forward to getting into that with you. I'm going to go ahead and say Little Monsters number six uh, and Twig number four. Both mm. banana issues, just unbelievable art. Uh, 
Banana issues. Meaning you could slip on them and fall to comedic effect as banana nope. issues. You're saying no, nope. no, nope. no. Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. Just trying to read. Just trying to read the peat leaves. Yeah. Uh, shout uh, out to Bat- Batman One Two Six. Also, Chip Zdarsky taking up to new places. Oh yeah, exactly. And all of those are going to be in our stack podcast that comes nine a.m. Wednesday in the Comic Book Club feed and also his dedicated stack feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show. Couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Matt Kent. Check out all the Flux House stuff, including Mind Management Bootleg from Dark Horse Comics, as well as Berserker, as we mentioned. Dan Panosian, Urban Barbarian, is on Zoop right now. Also, Canary Zoop. from Comicsology. Alice Ever After from Boom. And if you're listening to the audio podcast, The Valderama Brothers, you can check out Giants Volume 2, Ghosts of Winter, coming very, very soon from Dark Horse Comics. Next week on the show, Scott, Brian, Wilson, and Liana Kangas are going to be here to talk about IDW's True Cult, which should be very cool. A couple of other podcasts you can check out. Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast, just finished up season six. Woo! That season was wild so definitely check that out also the doom room our doom patrol podcast dropping every thursday and coming up very soon next week lock and key unlocked our lock and key podcast is coming back we got a new episode for you breaking down very quickly the season three trailer but yeah Yeah, we talk about the trailer a lot we talk about the trailer yes we do patreon.com slash comic book club support the show and all the shows we do subscribe on apple android spotify stitcher or the app of your choice at comic book live on twitter comic book club live on instagram comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next time good night Get that Punisher's recipe for soup. Give me a pep to walk. Two scoops of raisins. <laughs> <laughs>